let's go so welcome to all the viewers and i'm glad to announce it today i have a really interesting guest uh, man versus history from the channel that you can find to use in the link in the description uh his name is elijah i always hope that i'm pronouncing names right and you got it, what do you yeah I, I've, I've did it anyway we have so many interesting topics today uh to discuss but first of all like a regular question of this general so elijah why why do you even play red dead online like try to describe the, these reasons in like few words while we're waiting for yeah. the Sure. Well, first of all, man, thank you for having me. Really appreciate that. Oh, you're welcome. Um, so, I think, I think like a lot of people who play it, and and of course not everybody, but I think a lot of people, they play it because there's something about that game that provides, I think, an immense amount of freedom. I think that they enjoy the history of that time period, and uh, I think that it it sort of provides an outlet to live out some of those fantasies that you can't really do anymore. Right. That's at least difficult for people to do. And I touch on this in some of my own videos, but sort of things like engaging in dangerous behavior and sort of being out in nature and just kind of having a lot of that sort of freedom to go around and kind of do some of these uh, dangerous activities, if you will. So for me, I just like I said, I like the history. I like the nature part of it. I like that I can just kind of wander around in the game. And uh, yeah, it's just something that that instantly kind of struck me. So. That's why, but, that's why I enjoy it. That's but I like it. about... I saw your video, it called uh, like Neurology of Red Dead Online. Uh, I'm, I'm probably mispronouncing this. Uh, yeah, you're no, talking yeah. about this one, right? But uh, here is <laughs> like the first questions that I have about it after watching it. But you're talking about stuff that is like similar in many video games. For example, this, uh, you know... Nece not necessity, but lack of muscularity in modern society and all this stuff that is more traditional ways of living. Uh, you can find it in any other games. Why Red, Red Dead Online specifically? Uh, or even violence. Violence is almost in any game, but and it's not that much of a violence actually in Red Dead Online. And, but yeah, so we know from, from a bunch of different studies that that when men and women tend to play different video games okay so like different types of video games oh i'm sorry and, you're saying dangerous stuff since you like live in in, in america now it's it sounds just something that many people can trigger about like i'm sorry to interrupting you just wanted no, no, you're good. to say this you're good uh <laughs> so, well yes yeah, so my point is is, is Look, men and women play, we, we, they, they tend to play different video games because they have uh, some, some sort of different, uh, different aspects of games that, that sort of draw them into one thing and draw them into something else. And there's a lot of games where they overlap, but, you know, like a first-person shooter is like 99% men who play those games, right? And a game like The Sims is, I think, like 77% women. But I think that there's a lot of games that provide <clears throat> things like if you want like violence or whatever but like my point isn't that we're necessarily drawn to violence it's the more idea of like engaging in dangerous activity so like from a primal historical level a lot of men engaged in dangerous activities like like hunting big game okay and that was a that was a man's job uh they also worked in small groups right and you can see video game producers 
sort of channeling some of that stuff, right? So like, think of like uh, posses in Red Dead Redemption, or think of like clans in in uh, things like Call of Duty, right? So they understand the whole thing of okay, so men are kind of pre-programmed to work in small groups to accomplish a goal. We know that they want to engage in dangerous activity. Um, and uh, if you can sort of light up that side of the brain, that hunting instinct as well of hunting big game uh, or hunting each other for that matter, uh, you can tie all that together into a successful game. And so what I, what I think works well with Red Dead is Red Dead also has, you know, like that story arc component. And that, that actually uh, studies show that that's, that's the kind of thing that, that draw women in, right? Character development, story arcs, um, and uh, more of... Uh, social interaction and that again, like different from, different outfits and different properties for example that's uh, that kind of stuff is more attracting w woman players uh, female players i'm sorry yeah i don't know i don't know enough about to say like if it's the the clothing stuff uh i i wouldn't say that necessarily because i don't have any data to support that but i know there's a lot of guys who want to dress their characters up accurately. I know there's a lot of girls who want to do the same thing. Uh, but I think that from a, I guess going back to my point is that I think Red Dead gives you those things that a lot of those other games also give you, but it also gives you this great historical setting that you can engage in either on your own or cooperatively with friends. And there's also this, this idea of the West Uh, that I think a lot of us are kind of raised on. And, and it's an era of history that, that sort of was an exciting period. This, it was a clash of cultures. It, it was a complete mess, I mean, mind you, historically. But uh, it was definitely an exciting time. And uh, I think sort of that excitement of, of the West just kind of draws people in. That aspect of you can kind of be anybody, you can kind of do anything and do it in an environment where there was very little oversight and uh, a lot of room for for some exciting behavior. Yeah, well, actually, that's something that I wanted to talk about with you more closely, this side of the game. Uh, but first of all, I want to say hello to all the viewers who joined. And a small question, like I usually do at the beginning of the stream, please let me know in the chat whether everything works fine, whether, you know, sound levels of me uh, and, uh, and Man vs. History are the same, so please let, let us know. Uh, uh, and in the chat and of course as always I will be mostly focused on conversation on the background you will see me just riding riding around in this beautiful world and doing pretty much nothing uh, and of course at the end of the stream I will um, I will like ask you to give your questions and I will ask Elijah to answer them okay so everything is fine so we're good to go and you just said that It's uh, this idea of freedom and uh, a place where you can be anyone and, and at the same time pretty dangerous place. So I believe this idea is came from the traditional Western movies, at least at least for me, because there were a lots of uh, movies about cowboys when I was a kid. Uh, but uh, how accurate is this interpretation of the world? So something that we see in these traditional westerns. Is it yeah. is it historically accurate? No. <laughs> so <laughs> if you're asking like if most historical westerns are accurate, 
No, most are not. Particularly, and this probably doesn't even need to be said, but particularly most early Westerns uh, weren't accurate at all. Uh, the, the most famous ones, basically. Like, I, I, well, I, I don't know. Clint Eastwood uh, trilogy is... Uh, I, I, I forgot how it... Yeah, those... Uh, you know, what's funny about those is those, those are kind of that crossover period where you're beginning to get accuracy coming into the to the uh to the films but prior to that it was really most movies prior to that were more sort of the myth of the wild west and then nowadays we we're transitioning into a much better much more accurate version it's not perfect give right? examples But, give examples of yeah, the sure. movies so, uh, recent movies that are more or less accurate because they're really interesting yeah things. okay so um There's a movie, and when I say newer movies, I'd say in the last like 20 years. Okay, mm -hmm. so something like Open Range, if you've ever seen that movie with, uh, it's Robert Duvall, and yeah, uh, yeah that's a really good movie. That movie's pretty, pretty dang historically accurate. Um, they do a great job. The gunfight in the end isn't, um, it, it, it lasts for I think like 15 or 20 minutes. Like most gunfights lasted like 30 seconds. So that part is definitely not accurate, but most everything else in the movie is pretty spot on and then you have movies like tombstone which you know is an older it's it's not an old movie but it's an older i think a lot of us probably grew up watching that movie and that's a great movie it's one of my favorite movies but there's there's just a ton of historical inaccuracies that kind of pop up here and there but then they also do a bunch of stuff right and so that's kind of a one of those movies where you can tell like they're taking the time to get things correct Right. In the sense of like that. I remember watching that movie and I remember seeing like bright clothing. And I remember how weird that was to see like you got this guy wearing a red shirt, and this guy wearing a bright blue shirt. And I thought, well, I, like, I thought, what, you know, I thought they didn't wear that stuff. And, you know, historically, a lot of these cowboys, particularly when they got to towns and not just cowboys, outlaws, you name it. A lot of these guys dressed with a lot of flair, too. And uh, I thought the movie did a great job of, of sort of showing that. Um, did a great job with the characters. I mean, I think we all can agree that Doc Holliday's character in that movie, uh, well, Val Kilmer's character of Doc Holliday was absolutely incredible. Um, so, yeah, they're, they're definitely getting better. Like the movie Hostels, uh, which is yeah. more about the late Indian Wars, uh, that, was, that was really good. I mean, obviously, they, they, they still took a lot of liberties, but uh, they got a lot of stuff right in it. And I think they're trying to create a more balanced view of of the west you know in the sense that it was an exciting place but uh it was also a pretty violent place and uh it's i think a lot of people like if you could transport yourself back in the west you know you have that excitement of of you know this this is this such this this sort of free open area where i can do and be anything but at the same time there were consequences for for kind of uh you know being dumb <laughs> there's a lot of consequences for it and i think movies historically would always have sort of like the hero who couldn't be defeated okay and, so uh, for a uh, question from the chat since you're talking about sure. the hero and more historical accuracy unforgiven because it's probably the most famous if uh in the yeah, of recent lesson real good it's yeah, really a, good it's a, accurate it's a right? good movie it's an accurate movie absolutely you know one of the ones i've talked about on my Um, on my videos too, uh, which I know a lot of people haven't seen it, who are really into westerns and really into the game, uh, is uh, Lonesome Dove. 
and it's an older movie that came out, but it's like a six-hour miniseries. And that movie, that movie's absolutely incredible. Like if you if you're a fan of westerns, if you're a fan of Red Dead, and you haven't seen that movie, like you need to go back and watch it. And that movie broke so many barriers. I mean, like we they had a. Uh, Danny Glover in that movie, right? And he was one of the first black cowboys that they actually put in these movies. And, you know, and I've talked about in my videos, but roughly 15% of cowboys were black, maybe up to 20%, but they were really left out in a lot of those movies. And they did an amazing job of not just putting in like a black cowboy, but also putting in uh, the uh, the Mexican cook. I don't know if, you, if you've seen the movie. No, uh, they, they, they add him in as well. They just they show sort of that that abundance of diversity in the West. And that's one of the weird things is that if you could have gone back in time in the East, people were very socially rigid, right? There were racial and class groups that, that you really didn't move between. But out West, all those rules were thrown out the window. So it didn't matter what color you were. It didn't matter any of that stuff. You were you were relatively based upon merit in the West. And that's why it created when I say like this sort of place of opportunities uh compared to the rest of america at the time it absolutely did so uh have, since we're talking about movies uh, it's one of my favorites by brothers coins it's called ballad uh, of Baxter's crugs <laughs> it's my favorite <laughs> yeah. but i'm pretty bad at pronouncing it in in english so have you seen this one It's yeah, a... Buster Scruggs. Yeah, it's good. I, I it's it's a quirky movie. It's a quirky cowboy movie with a bunch of sort of different stories in it. But uh, yeah. you know, obviously, like the the sort of singing cowboy that is Buster Scruggs is that that is not accurate. But uh, of course, yeah, yeah. But there's but it's a fun western. I mean, it's a really fun movie. I really I like. I enjoyed it, and I can step out from the historical side, and I can say. You know, like I really enjoyed the movie. It's not really accurate, but I really enjoyed it. But there are things accurate, like the miner, uh, the old guy who's playing the miner, uh, and sort of his struggles. So there are things that were really good and things that were just kind of fun. Uh, but you know, that's that's kind of the beauty of the westerns is you kind of mesh history with myth, and uh, you know, you you got this whole sort of unique genre that comes out of it. But yeah, you moving... should stay uh, entertained. Uh, entertainment yeah, exactly. on a high level should be uh, so yeah, another no. question that many people are asking in the chat like Apollosa yeah, and they're saying that it has extremely accurate realistic gunfights have you seen Apollosa? yep I've and seen what do you think about theater, it? actually that's <laughs> a while ago uh, yeah I, I, I loved it Viggo Mortensen um, that's a good movie real good uh, it's an accurate movie You know, the thing about that struck me about Appaloosa, it, it reminded me a lot of, of movies like Open Range and Broken Trail and uh, some other ones that came out around that time, is that those movies are kind of slow and then you have explosions of violence. And I really like that because historically that's sort of how it was, is, is living back then, things would be relatively peaceful and then you really would have this, well, an explosion of violence, right? You would have all of a sudden somebody would just be murdered and in the in the upcoming video i do i kind of break down the statistics of violence um in the old west and what i found in in just my research so far is that it was far more violent than we tend to give it credit for which is interesting because i think we tend to immediately dismiss it as it's the myth of the west that all these people were, sh were shooting each other 
And it's true that in a lot of places they weren't, but in the places that they were shooting each other, they're shooting each other in at rates that are, are hard to fathom today. So if you happen to be sort of in one of these towns back then, uh, you had a really high chance of, you know, relatively speaking, compared to today of, of being killed in those towns. Well, so, maybe it's uh, it's not specifically something that happened on the Wild West, but I believe from uh, in all parts of the world at that time, there was a like extremely high rate of violence if we compare it to today's level. I just uh, I saw statistics for Russian Empire and it was just before the revolution and it was like shocking i mean amount yeah. of police officers that were killed each year was like insane if something will happen uh nowadays something similar similar numbers i'm not gonna tell you the numbers because i don't remember them correctly so i'm not gonna lie but anyway it would be like a special state in the country because uh, it's it's insane amount of violence against the government basically and even even not counting that there were far less inhabitants uh, during that but far less people living in the country yeah, back what, then but it was amazing i was super shocked to see this so maybe it was like a parameter of time rather than uh, a region what do you think If compare yeah, so, you you can for for example compare uh, the violence level on the wild west somehow to the violence level in let's say Washington or New York maybe maybe right so so the biggest differentiation you have to make there though is we're not talking about political violence in the west right so we're not talking about sort of government upheavals anything like that or a social revolution or anything in the west right this is just flat out violence. And that's the difference is, is that there, oh. it's, it's disconnected from those other factors. And so a lot of this has to do with effectively with people committing crimes and uh, sort of paying the consequences for that or just using excessive force um, in local communities. And so violence is committed not just by the outlaws, but, you know, you have a, a lot of the violence being committed by vigilantes. Uh, there's a there's a story in, in I think it's. I want to say it's Bannock, Montana in the 1880s, where this town was just getting harassed by uh, cattle rustlers, right? They were stealing horses, they were stealing cattle, and the law just was slow to react. And so the people of the town, the men of the town went out and they just started rounding up every cattle rustler and horse thief they could find, and uh, they hanged them all. And they killed about 30 people uh, outside of the law, uh, but it put an end to all rustling in in like their entire region of montana i wonder right? what again, was like, the consequences of this uh was this people nothing. like nothing there was there no. was no consequences uh because you have to understand that when vigilantes are doing it right these are these are townspeople right these aren't like hardened criminals that are going out and like settling all the scores right these aren't uh like the boondock saints doing it uh these are just everyday people who've who've become fed up and so when they commit those acts of violence like taking it in their own hands and, and like i said hanging 28 to 30 people uh a lot of the since since the actions being done by town folk obviously the town folk aren't gonna throw a fit about it and the law is sort of on that side they're gonna turn a blind eye to it because they're doing the law's work right the law doesn't have to do the paperwork the law doesn't have to go through the court process they don't have to gather up evidence they don't have to feed these guys uh they basically take out the trash 
is a it's not really a politically correct way of saying it but i don't really care much about that it's just <laughs> that's what they did and uh they would sort of take justice in their own hands so it's funny how vigilante violence was often endorsed and few people ever ever were actually uh uh i guess uh face consequences for it what about said, federal though, government say was just like don't don't care as well it wasn't it's not their business yeah well the federal government wouldn't really get involved in anything like that so like the way that the the law tier system worked is you would have u.s marshals uh who would hire deputy marshals who would be in charge of of certain crimes right these would these would be things like deserters people who deserted from the military uh It'd be things like if you engage in like a, a a really big bank robbery. Think of it like today, how they would only get called in. Well, like today, maybe like the FBI gets called in on some big case. Like U.S. Marshals would only get called in on a big case, and then beneath them, uh, you know, they'd have those deputies who would actually be out in the field working it. But then under them, you would have uh, the next jurisdiction is county, and so your county sheriff would be the person who would actually sort of be in charge of. Of tracking down these vigilantes but the county sheriffs were on board with it because they were cleaning up all the, the the cattle rustling in those counties and so long story short basically the government officials turned a blind eye and allowed justice to kind of happen and, what, uh, was it uh, was it a frequent was it. Uh, because in the game since we're <laughs> talking about red dead online at least a little bit there is a marshall davis in story have you finished the story of red dead online? i haven't finished the story nope so oh. you can you can you can ask a question but you're gonna have to phrase it i, I will have to I make some you. spoiler for you then there is a marshall uh he's a i i understand uh, u.s government marshall and he's trying yeah. once you once you have a high honor you will make uh, some missions with him and most of the time he's acting like he don't care about the law at all so he's shooting uh, these bandits he's killing them he's hiring people just to catch them dead and stuff like that so he's not okay. acting in uh, you know terms of the law so was it like really common if there a way to historically uh, say was it was historically accurate this type of behavior by the yeah, law. Yeah, no, I understand. Okay, but... I understand your question. Okay, so if he was a U.S. Marshal, so a U.S. Marshal, usually those guys had no law enforcement experience. These were political appointments. So a U.S. Marshal would have been appointed as a political position, and he would have hired deputy U.S. Marshals to go out and actually enforce the law. So I don't know if the guy you're talking about is a deputy U.S. Marshal, or a U.S. Marshal. So if he was a deputy, he would be out in the field. But if he was a U.S. Marshal, he'd be sitting behind a desk. So oh, maybe he's he a, de a deputy then, because he yeah, looks so like a someone. Yeah, so he's a deputy. Right, so we'll assume he's a deputy. So, yeah, deputy U.S. Marshals, they did kill people, but not necessarily indiscriminately. Um, if you ever look at the photos of where you see, like, a, an outlaw propped up on a board, you know, the dead body of an outlaw propped up on a board and a bunch of guys standing around it, Those are usually always U.S. Marshals who killed them. And those are U.S. Marshals in the photos because U.S. Marshals, the deputy U.S. Marshals, I mean, uh, the deputies had to produce proof uh, of that they got their man. Otherwise, they wouldn't get paid. So, so sorry, they basically of... like bounty hunters, but they work uh, only on the government. It's, it looks to me like... Yeah, it's a, it's a fair way of putting it. Um, so like, yeah, I think it's a fair way of saying that. Is the only real... The only real 
legitimized bounty hunters of the old West would be somebody like a deputy U S marshal or a, uh, a Pinkerton. Yeah. So, uh, a, a historical accuracy about bounty hunting. I know that you've made a video. I saw it, but yep. uh, many viewers didn't. How historically accurate is this system that we have in Red Dead Online right now? So we have bounty board. We go, and there is a price for each bounty, dead or alive. Different prices. You know how it works. Was it was uh, it's accurate? Uh, so there's aspects of it that are correct and things that aren't. So the they would put up flyers for outlaws. That is true. I don't know of any such bounty board, but uh, they would put them up randomly around town. Usually, you just go to the sheriff's office and and uh, you would you would just say, you know, who's outstanding, right? Who who do you need tracked down? Uh, but as far as uh, like the payouts, the payouts aren't historically correct. You should be getting paid a whole lot more for doing that. And uh, bounty hunting. And I mentioned in the video, but, but bounty hunting was, uh, it was not something engaged in by usually the, uh, the best people in the society. So like a lot of the people that engaged in bounty hunting were kind of seen as, as, uh, amateurs. They were seen as, uh, sort of unskilled, untrained, violent men who were willing to engage in violence for financial benefit. What and about so criminals? Of... What about criminals? So they technically they can do bounty hunter job as well, right? Yeah, if they yeah, are... and that did happen. And I think I mentioned in the video there's a there's a story of of two outlaws who run across each other because they're trying to collect the bounty on each other, and they end up getting into a gunfight and killing each other. Uh, and they were both wanted, and so it again like it 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 was a free for all in that sense. Um, you know, it's funny, I, I, I want to be careful when I say it. I used to love the show Dog the Bounty Hunter when it first came out. It was a very popular show in the States. And I thought, I, I thought Dog the Bounty Hunter was a really good guy. But it gives you a good glimpse at sort of how people even looked at bounty hunters then, right? And nothing, no disrespect to Dog. Again, he was a great dude. Uh, but it was that idea that they were much more, these weren't professionals doing it. And, and I think like that's a good analogy to understand that, that some of these guys tried to do right, but they weren't really professional. So a lot of times it never worked out the way that they hoped it would. They'd kind of blunder into getting it. And even if they were successful, a lot of times the town folk didn't want these guys around. That it was nice that they were kind of cleaning up the streets, but at the same time, you know, they, they weren't professionals. You've got armed men walking around, taking the law into their own hands. And like I said, at least the potential for killing people for financial gain. So basically, and, and all this idea, sorry, basically all this idea about buying a bounty hunter license and paying a lot of money for that is yeah, nonsense, no, no. right? So yeah, anyone no, who wants no... can uh, came to this sheriff's office, take a gun, iron as uh, it's called in uh, that was called that time. I I hope it was called. Is it, by the way, historically correct? Like this big iron song and you know oh, calling guns iron yeah yeah well so all yeah so look all you needed was you could borrow a gun and a bullet and you could just proclaim yourself as a bounty hunter go to the oh. local office and say i'm gonna go and i'm gonna go get this bad guy and honestly the the it, it would usually be a town marshal that you'd be dealing with because the sheriffs were county but you'd be dealing with the town marshal and 
you'd say, I want to go get this guy, you know, for this amount. And they'd say, have at it. And if you ended up dead, you know, it, was, it wasn't his problem. Like, there's no issue if you died. Uh, you weren't his deputy. You were just some guy going out trying to make a buck. So it, it was a good system for law enforcement in the sense that it was kind of a way for amateur volunteers to get involved in law enforcement and do some good. But at the same time, uh, you know, there are, there's just there's a lot of problems involved with, with just, as I said, saying, yeah, you got a gun, go for it. Yeah, go out there, go get that guy. But what if so sheriff? What if what if sheriff will takes uh, this uh, uh, contract? Let's say, so, or or, or yeah. marshal? Will he get the money as well? Despite the fact that basically it's kind of his job, anyways. Or, no. You know, catch, so no. great question. So so no, they wouldn't get the money. So how it would work then is, if you were a member of law enforcement, you couldn't actually receive the reward. There were a lot of ways around it, though, and people were, were pretty clever in how they would do it. So, like, you, you wouldn't get the direct payout, but a lot of times you could go to a private company. So say, like, if a Wells Fargo stagecoach got robbed, okay, and Wells Fargo issued a reward. Now, because that's not the government or local law enforcement offering the reward, you could collect the payout from Wells Fargo because that was a private business. But if it was the county offering the reward and you were the sheriff and you were like, oh, I'm going to go capture this guy. The county would say, that's your job. You don't get paid for that. So you didn't get any extra money though. Sometimes like in the case of Pat Garrett, who uh, shot Billy, the kid and killed, obviously killed Billy, the kid. Uh, he didn't get the reward for Billy, the kid, which was pretty substantial. Uh, instead, the sort of local town folk raised a bunch of money and he ended up getting more from donations from this private sort of pledge fund drive than he ever would have gotten by getting directly paid for killing Billy the Kid. So okay. there are ways around it, is my point. Uh, but in a, another way, it's point. called in Russian Atkat, and it's, it works like this. So if you are a sheriff, you go find like all the local drunk and give him the gun and you kill the bandit himself and say that it's it was this old drunk uh, blind dude who who killed this dangerous bandit you take <laughs> yeah, the bounty okay. he, like he takes the bounty you take 95 percent of the bounty yeah, of to course. yourself and it it looks like a scheme that w would work at the time is and that, probably that was used a lot that absolutely happened cat and uh we we know we know for a fact there's letters that were uncovered from uh it was i think a sheriff in like texas or something and he was working uh with another sheriff from out of state that basically that other sheriff could come and he could get the outlaw but then he get the other sheriff would get the kickback so like w just like what you're saying so somebody who's eligible to collect reward would kick money back to the local sheriff if the sheriff was helping sort of the entire process and so uh Yeah, as a sheriff, you collected, you could do pretty well. Um, I think the sheriff of Cochise County, uh, which is like, uh, it's like Tombstone in Arizona. So the sheriff of that county could collect something like 10% of the revenues that came in via taxes. And if you've ever heard of Sheriff Johnny Behan from the movie Tombstone, uh, Behan's salary, because of what he collected off of the taxes, would be equivalent today to like $650,000. Oh, crazy right so that's i mean it was like twenty six thousand back then uh which is like 600 and some six hundred fifty thousand today so i mean a sheriff could make an absolute killing but remember a sheriff 
wasn't usually the guy out there enforcing law. He hired deputies. So if you haven't noticed, there's a system where whatever your job was, whoever made the most money, they didn't do it. They'd hire people to do their job beneath them to, to do the dirty work. But they'd collect the revenues from that job. So that's kind of the system. And, you know, it's you probably apply it to today as well, where at least I can tell you, like, in at the college where I work, administration makes usually more money than the faculty. But, you know, there's there's some, uh, how do I put it, uh, there's some animosity there uh, in that people are trying to figure out sometimes what exactly the administrators are doing to earn that money, right? Since you've got other people sort of doing the dirty work. But anyway, I digress. So basically, sheriff could be like a manager, not a gunfighter by any means, but like a manager totally. who, who's you know, takes the money from government or from local community and uh, you know, hires some guns for hire for this money and just staying watching how the job will be done. Uh, sometimes it happened uh, according to what you just said. Yeah, absolutely. Right? You got you got to think of the sheriff as as sort of a count. Oops, sorry. Cannot hear you. You just disappeared. I hope it's... Uh, I hope it's some sort of... Uh, log with the Discord. Elijah, I cannot hear you, unfortunately. It seems like some problems with Discord or with your mic. And while Elijah is fixing the connection, maybe I will try to recall him. Uh, so hello to chat and like, welcome, welcome here. So yeah, which which if and just to wrap it up, think of like the the, the people you we know of as like famous lawmen, like uh, Wyatt Earp or Wild Bill Hickok. Like these guys, they 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 rotated in different positions. But for the most part, they were either deputy sheriffs, U.S. marshal. I'm sorry, deputy sheriffs, town marshals, or or deputies, as in deputy town marshals. Okay, but it it was in chat, by the way, question about this. How about there is a, I don't know local bandit and deputy marshal goes to town, and 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 there is a sheriff, obviously. Who's in charge? Who is the main person there? Deputy marshal, sheriff, or, or, or how it works? Yeah. So the tier would be U.S. marshal at the top, deputy marshal below that. Then it would be sheriff, and then deputy sheriff, and then it would be town marshal, and then deputy town marshals. Mm -hmm. So marshal, marshal is a U.S. Marshal is a superior figure if we're talking about catching some bandits or something yeah, so, like that. Yeah, so a deputy, like a deputy U.S. Marshal would usually be in charge of a, a territory or a state. And there would be a whole bunch of them that would work within that state, though. So like somebody like Bass Reeves was a deputy U.S. Marshal in Oklahoma. And so his territory was really Oklahoma, and that's where he operated. But within Oklahoma, you got a whole bunch of counties, and you have a sheriff in each county. But each sheriff would hire deputy sheriffs, and each town would have a town marshal, and then they'd hire deputies as well. So it, it's a big pyramid. You got to kind of zoom out to to understand it. I'm making a, the next video is going to be diving into all this. So if you're not if if anybody's having trouble keeping up with it, don't worry about it. 
the next video is going to be on lawmen and uh that'll clarify everything and there you will talk about the violence level all right yeah in, in, so this I, one. in that one i talked about the violence yeah i'll be talking about the violence in, in a few level, words also, by the way violence level uh, i don't know how to how we can imagine that but let's say you're a person who lives in uh, at the beginning of the century uh how are yep. how high are chances to you know to die in a gunfight or some other act of violence uh, for you during the life sure. of like 40 years for example I, i believe it was like the average uh life duration back then <laughs> a century ago we didn't we didn't live nearly as long uh so in a in a town like dodge city kansas uh the number one cause of death was was from a bullet Okay, so it wasn't, you know, it's not like today where, you know, you've got heart disease and car accidents and cancer and all this stuff. And then down at the bottom, you've got, you know, violent, violent deaths. Right. So, you know, in in the big cattle towns and the big boom towns and mining towns, uh, usually the cause of the death was 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 actually gunshots, which is or, or just violence in general, uh, which is pretty crazy. So, like, I can give you a statistic to help you out. Um, so this should help. So, like. Today, the most violent cities in America today uh, would be like Baltimore and St. Louis. Okay, and when I say most violent, I mean like on a per capita basis. Not Detroit. So, not Detroit. So. Not on a per capita basis. Detroit's oh. not. No. And so it gets confusing because like you got a city like Chicago where over 700 people were 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 shot last year, were murdered actually, died from getting shot. A lot more people were shot from that, but like 700, a little over 700 were killed. Uh, but that's a city with millions and millions of people, right? Mm. And so something like, uh, you know, St. Louis is, is, is smaller. So when you look at something like St. Louis and Baltimore, uh, which are the highest per capita death rate. And so when I say per capita, it means out of 100,000 people living in the city every year of that 100,000, if you would randomly select 100,000 people in that city, 60 out of the 100,000 would be murdered oh. in Baltimore and uh in st louis today so those are today's numbers so the per capita murder rate is 60 okay so just hold that number mm -hmm. so if you contrast that with uh like dodge city kansas in the 1870s in dodge city it was uh the per capita murder rate was around 165 so it was about three times two to three times higher uh than the most dangerous city today and the funny thing though is dodge city wasn't even the most dangerous city in kansas Like, I think Abilene was close to about 300 was the per capita rate in Abilene, Kansas. Uh, and Deadwood was even higher than that, but Deadwood's a mining town. But Deadwood's was, I think, 450, 470, somewhere around that. So, like, to put it into perspective, you know, you're looking at, like, seven times higher murder rate than the most dangerous city in America today. Um, yeah, well, America or, has pretty high uh, level of violence comparing to other first right, world countries. Right, but if you, say you zoom out from like a world perspective, so the most dangerous city in the world last year uh, was, I think, Los Cabos, and it had uh, a per capita murder rate of 111, okay? So that was the most dangerous city in the entire world. Uh, and so you contrast that with, say, Deadwood in the 1870s. So Deadwood had four times the murder rate of the most dangerous city in the world right now. So that's what I mean by it, it was a violent place. Now, granted, there were far less murders in somewhere like Deadwood than there was in, you know, like Los Cabos or, or Chicago because we're working on a per capita basis. So 
the issue though is like maybe only a dozen people were killed in Deadwood one year, but they only have a population of like 2,000 people. Yeah. And so that changes the rate at which you'd be killed. So I guess in other words, if you lived in like Baltimore today, you'd go to more funerals. But if you lived in Deadwood, you'd be more likely to end up in the casket. Mm -hmm. Interesting, interesting one. And so about ways of people were dying in, in the, at the Wild West. So, uh, you said uh, the probability of being shot. And you mean shot with a revolver, just like we see this in a movie. So, because I thought I, I heard a theory that actually most killings were made not with revolvers or fancy, uh, you know, repeaters or rifles because they were expensive, but with like sort of shotguns or double barrel hunting yeah. rifles because they are just much easier for a person to hit other person whether it's historically accurate it's at least on some degree yeah so that's a really good question um so a lot of the research that i've that i've gotten into uh they don't specify usually the weapon that was used okay so like we don't know exactly what type of gun if it was a pistol if it's rifles a shotgun that said though that said it seems that law enforcement usually in, in dealing with like local town disputes preferred using a shotgun for the same reasons that you're saying, right? It's just that it's an, it's an idiot proof gun. You just fire in the general direction and you're, and you're going to hit something. Right. Um, and so like, there's a lot of good stories of uh, there, there's one I was just reading where there's a, uh, a town marshal who, who had a policy and a lot of towns had this policy where you had to be disarmed. And uh, he went to the saloon. He came across three cowboys who were armed, and he told them to disarm. And two of the three cowboys did. The other one refused to. So the the town marshal just went back to his office, grabbed a shotgun, walked in, and just shot the guy. Just blew him away. And uh, it says a lot about, one, the effectiveness of a shotgun, right? But two, that, you know, the, the, the law was the law was strict because it needed to be strict. Right. You you, yeah. you had to you had to uphold it in a way where you couldn't be like, well, listen, man, you know, it'd be great if you just put your gun down. Like there was there was very little tolerance uh, for people overstepping those lines. Because and it's a question a of, of live on or die to live or die for yeah, no, a sheriff, exactly. basically. That's the, that's the point is that nowadays, you you know, obviously I don't want to get into any of that. But nowadays, you know, we, we, we say, well, you know, you, you know, you got to be able to talk people down and you got to you know, you got to. You got to bring in an interventionist to, you know, to come and, and, and talk to these people and this and that. Like, I can understand where those people are coming from. But but back then, you know, you, either you're going to get shot or you were doing the shooting in most cases. And so while it, it's nice to sit there and to say, well, you know, he could have handled it differently. Like, yeah, maybe he could have, but he also could have been killed. And then there you have it. And so people just didn't want to take that risk. And I think they just took decisive action. And most courts we're fine with it. I mean, if somebody threatened to kill you, like in the, uh, put it this way, there's several cases where uh, a man would threaten to kill another man and nothing would happen. And then a week later, the man who was threatened will walk up and shoot the other man in the back of the head. And there'll be a, a trial, but that person will be found not guilty because the other guy threatened his life a week ago. There was a story that I've heard uh, about Wild Bill Hancock's uh wild bill here yeah yeah so the dude killed him because he was offended 
he lost him money to Wild Bill and Wild Bill says something like, correct me if I'm wrong, but he says something like, oh, leave some few bucks to you because you need something to eat. And the dude got extremely offended according to the stories that I wrote. So, read. So, the other day he came to Saloon and just shot Wild Bill and which is kind of interesting, first court in this city actually found him not guilty for, for just cold-blooded murder. Yeah, uh, yeah he got uh, late uh, murdered for this um, crime because other court found him guilty, but which is super weird, like how how it's possible to even say that he's not guilty. He just killed uh, unarmed man <laughs> right. in the so, back. So, okay, so what's interesting about that, though, is because that guy was named Jack McCall. So Jack McCall shot him in the back of the head, right? In number 10, I think number 10 saloon uh, in Deadwood. And uh, you're right. He was found, basically he was acquitted. He's found not guilty. And uh, the thing, though, the end of that story is he was captured, uh, or rather maybe, I don't know if you want to call it arrested. He was detained by a group of vigilantes. Uh, I think it was in Nebraska. And he ended up being hanged uh, for killing Wild Bill Hickok later. And so he couldn't be tried in the Dakota Territory because of double jeopardy. And so my understanding is uh, he was tried in Nebraska something somewhere around there and uh he was found guilty and, and then he was killed for it so so it's right in that he was found not guilty but then later in a different state he's going to be found guilty just because people you know were obviously pissed that he uh that he killed wild bill but that's that cycle of violence right like yeah. wild bill replaced bear river smith who was the uh he was the the i think the u.s marshal or it's u.s marshal the town marshal of abilene and uh that guy got hit his head he got decapitated with an axe in the line of duty. And then you got Hickok coming in, and he survives in Abilene, but he gets shot in the back of the head in a, in a saloon in, Tombs, in, a saloon in uh, Deadwood. But then Jack McCall shoots him in the back of the head, right? And then he's found not guilty, but then later he's found guilty, right? It's just, it's just this line of violence where everybody's just causing harm. There's blood feuds, right? You killed my cousin. I'm going to kill you. Or, you know, it's just... It's, it's just a mess in the West. I mean, there's there's an immense amount of violence, and a lot of it, though, was allowed to happen. And then other times, you know, people would would kind of put their foot down, be it a, a, a group of vigilantes or whatever, and uh, yeah, and they'd uh, put an end to it. Okay, so maybe, uh, look, I'm... I'm a let's take a look from the ma mathematical point of view so there is a probably correlation between uh, you know the jobs that you do for living like bounty hunting uh, gambling or i don't know being a gun for hire and your chances of being killed so maybe chances for a i don't know local dude in in any of these kansas cities to die from a bullet were not that high actually because there is a group of people who will, like you said, that 12 people who died in a year and created this massive statistics. Maybe they all were just bounty hunters or like dudes like Wild Bill. So what do you think? What what were the chances for a average person, like regular for Just for walker? a regular guy? Yeah. Yeah, no, that's a, and that's a, that's a great point to bring up, Kat. And, and it's totally legit to bring that up, is that obviously certain professions had far higher... Uh, death rates than other ones, right? And that, that totally makes sense. Um, but yeah, so like your average death rate, so like if we look at the town that, you know, there weren't like Wild West gunfighters or anything like that roaming around. So something like, uh, 
like San Francisco. So San Francisco at the time, I think had a, uh, a per capita rate of like 30. So it basically meaning that, that yeah, you had a very small chance of, of actually being murdered in that town. Right. Cause these were, these were just everyday folk, but the difference is in the West, you've got really small populations and big proportions of those populations mm-hmm. are going to be from primarily young, rowdy, armed men. And so it shouldn't be any shock that you're going to have way higher levels of violence in those towns, just looking at the demographics of those towns. Now, if you just kind of ran a shop or whatever, you know, like, yeah, you, you'd be far less likely to be killed than, than anybody else. But I mean, if, if you avoided the saloon, right there that would cut your chances of dying <laughs> dramatically because a lot of times you know these fights took place in the saloons and a lot of people who were in the saloons who weren't even involved in it would get shot i mean there's tons of stories where two guys are shot two guys are, are shooting each other and you know like you'll have like five or six other guys who get shot who weren't even involved in it just because you're firing pistols in a in an enclosed environment randomly you know just from behind cover or or however you're going to do it so, uh, so yeah, it definitely depended on the job that you had, but, but that's the issue though, is like, even if you were a random town folk living in some small town and you mind your own business, you had significantly higher chance of getting killed in that town than you would if you lived in a big city. So like one other thing I'll say on that is if you contrast it with like New York city at the time, at the time, like late 1800s had a per capita death rate of like five. Okay. Mm-hmm. It was super low, super low. Uh, but these small towns all had per capita death rates of well over a hundred. And so, you know, you're just, it's, it's riskier being out West for everybody, but particularly risky, uh, being in saloons and sort of being young and armed. Uh, How about being, you know, traditional cowboy, like not the, just a cowboy is a person who's, uh, watching over cows uh, was it a dangerous job statistically was there like many gunfights between them and bandits who trying to rob them or it's it's not or it's just something that we i personally know well, from the it, movies yeah no a lot of it comes from the movies um to be honest uh so a lot of cowboys you have to remember like a lot of cowboys they didn't make a lot of money so they didn't have excess ammunition to actually fire their guns a lot and so Cowboys weren't really usually known for being good shots because they couldn't practice with their guns. A lot of ranches and a lot of large cattle associations actually outlawed guns. Uh, They outlawed cowboys from even carrying guns. Uh, On cattle drives, a lot of cattle drives uh, banned guns as well. So uh, we tend to think of the cowboys sort of riding around always armed, but in a lot of cases they weren't armed and they weren't allowed to even be armed. Um, in the same way that they weren't allowed to swear or gamble on the ride up, a lot of times you would have to stash your guns inside the chuck wagon and uh, your guns wouldn't be available to you uh, during the during the drive. So um, a lot of cowboys weren't armed. They weren't really great shots. Um, they did have to use guns from time to time. And sometimes they had to sort of, you know, sh- shoot it at rustlers and so on and so forth. But for the most part, we tend to mistake cowboys for gunfighters. Mm-hmm. Like cowboys drove cows. That's what they did. But gunfighters were killers of men. And that's what they did. And so you never want to tangle with those guys. Like you see them in like certain uh, 
certain like famous gunfighters, gamblers, things like that. Like those guys, there, there, there's a, a clear demarcation of killers of men and men who just like the idea of carrying a gun and, and sort of riding around. But not bandits at the same time. They technically they were like lawful people, these gunfighters, because they could stay at least lawful because they could make this bounty hunter uh, or some other legal jobs right without being a criminal technically Th these people who you're talking about i mean there were there were a lot of avenues you didn't have to resort to crime but i guess my point is cowboys weren't gunfighters and even criminals weren't usually gunfighters right and and the people who did have that reputation as sort of man killers they they were highly respected greatly feared in the old west and this is why you have people like uh like hickok wild bill hickok who mm. like he killed a lot of men and uh because of that people knew he was capable of it and a lot of these guys weren't fast on the draw they were just kind of fearless like Wyatt Earp, like everybody always said like Wyatt Earp wasn't fast with the gun but he would just slowly pull his gun out of the holster aim it at you cock it and fire right like he kept his cool he kept his nerve Hickok was much the same way. Uh, and there's other famous gunfighters, right? I mean, like Luke, Sh Luke Short, who was a famous gambler. He killed several people. There's lawmen who were legit gunfighters and, and killers, right? Like uh, uh, John Hughes, who was a famous Texas Ranger. Uh, I think he killed something like 20 men. I think Bass Reeves uh, killed 14. Uh, and then you've got some guys like John Wesley Harden, who possibly killed up to 40. I mean, it's just a whole different animal when you when you come across those guys, and they were rare in the West. But you know, these guys were real killers. And uh, there's a story of there's a guy named Killer Miller, which is a fun name, uh, and he was a gambler, and he killed you know he was a killer too. He killed some guys, but he got word that there was a guy John Hughes, who was a famous Texas Ranger, killed like 20 men. Uh, that John Hughes was coming into town, and even Killer Miller left town because he was like i don't want to tangle with that guy like that guy's freaking nuts right and so there's tiers of of sort of men who are highly proficient at carrying out killings and people understood who those guys were and they kept their distance from those guys but who they were the the technically fighters. what was their occupation if if you let's say rockstar will decide to make a role inspired by these dudes uh, what's his name uh, what's the, the name of the role will be like gun for hire yeah, that's, see that's the tough part cat because they didn't have one particular job like you can't just say like you're a killer <laughs> I mean, like, what, is yeah. that, what does that mean? What do you do? And and because there are killers who are good and there are killers who are bad, right? Like, the killers who are good were, you know, deputy U.S. marshals or you know, like like Bass Reeves. Like, he killed a lot of guys, he was, but he was really good at it. But he was on the right side of the law. John Hughes, same thing, killed a lot of guys, but he's on the right side of the law. But then you got guys who are on the wrong side of the law, right? And then you, but but even those guys on the wrong side of the law, you look at somebody like um, uh, like John Wesley Harden. Like he was a cowboy, right? And he was a cowboy, but he, that guy just, he, he was fearless with a gun. He was great with a gun. And, uh, you know, but technically he was a cowboy. And then you've got other outlaws that were just flat out, they were just like Billy the Kid. Like he was, Billy the Kid was more of a, uh, a cattle rustler who was just really, really good with a gun and practiced a lot. Uh, so it's like, we, you know, how do you make somebody who's a rustler, who's a gambler, who's, you know, a lawman who's this and that. Like, I don't know how you can combine 
all that stuff together. Uh, I mean, I guess the best embodiment of it would be somebody like this guy named Tom Horn, who he was a Texas Ranger. He was the lawman. And then he worked as uh, it's a uh, what is it called? Uh, It's a cattle. um, It's a range detective. That's what it's called. And a range detective is like uh, basically these guys were gunfighters who were hired by huge cattle baron, huge cattle barons to basically kill rustlers. Right. Like he called himself an exterminator of cattle rustlers. And his job was to go out and to kill anybody who rustled cattle against that company. But was it legal? I mean, again, I'm just shocked a little bit. It was a legal occupation. It it was fine with the government and with a law system to have this type of contract. between. (laughs) Well, sort of, Uh, in some ways, probably more so no than yes. So like, technically they would say that they're protecting the cows but then you could kill somebody who was rustling it and say well they were rustling the cows so i killed them in the process and no court's going to ever hold you accountable so like they didn't have the legal right to just kill people all the time but they could do it and get away with it is how i would put it and even tom horn for what it's worth like this guy you know was on both sides of the law tom horn ends up getting uh Uh, charged with murder and he ends up getting hanged so you know that's a guy who's a good embodiment of like he 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 straddled both sides of that aisle but he was a killer regardless and because he was so good at it that's why he got he was a pinkerton he was a texas ranger he was a pinkerton uh and he was basically a a murderer for hire for large cattle ranches ranches and he would just exterminate (laughs) exterminate anybody who was you know, who's causing them problems. Um, but you, in a way, you kind of, you know, you needed those men in the West to, to circumvent the legal avenues to just take care of things. It's like a one-man vigilante group that would never usually ever be held accountable for his actions. And the only reason he ever was held accountable is because he accidentally shot and killed a, a 14-year-old boy when he thought he was somebody else, and he got, he got killed for that. So you can't shoot kids, uh, but you can do... A lot of other things so it's, it's an interesting but from what you're saying it seems like uh it happened because there was no strong government by the time i mean central government because monopoly for the violence is uh, something that should strong government has it's like one of the functions of uh, of the government just to take all these rights to use force and violence to people so not things like this will happen so when some corporation just hires people to kill other people because where is the line between killing uh, like robber robbers or bandits or killing i don't know local farmers who's just sure. uh, don't want to sell i don't know land i i'm pretty sure it was like common case at the time when just people didn't want to sell land and uh guns for hire like that were knocking to their door uh what, what do you think was it a real because there are many movies actually about this yeah no like so the, the stuff you're talking about definitely happened so a lot of those times those range detectives uh they would they would go to sort of small town or small town, sorry, small time ranchers uh, who maybe owned land that was adjacent to a big rancher's land. And the big rancher wanted to buy that land. And they would effectively intimidate 
that person to get them out of there. And sometimes resorted to, you know, flat out murder to do it. Um, but you, you have to remember that this is, this is a time that was very hard to sort of prove those things, right? Like usually you needed a witness, which is something that Red Dead does pretty well on, right? Like how annoying is it, right? You shoot somebody in the middle of the woods and all of a sudden a witness pops up and he's riding away. Uh, but like you needed that witness to convict somebody, right? Like you couldn't pull a bullet out and be like, yep, this is his or take fingerprints or anything like that. And so you could get away with a lot more. There was just a lot less oversight. States had more power, right? Like nowadays, the federal government in the United States has way more power than the states. But back then, states had a fair amount of power. And a lot of times the federal government deferred to the states on, you know, how, how best to, to, to sort of keep order in your states. And so some states were, you know, eastern states were very peaceful for the most part, but western states were not. But it was more or less to be expected just with not just the demographics of the people out there, but just the chaos of everything from you've got gold rushes, you've got the the Indian Wars, right? And then you've got the movement of natives to reservations. You've got, uh, you know, you've got these cattle drives. You've, you, there's just so much happening in the West that there was a certain level of expectation of violence. And as long as you kind of cleaned up your side of the street, so to speak, uh, for the most part, the federal government stayed out of it. So it's like the game basically is not that far from realistically showing the picture of that era or maybe not the picture, but the feeling that it's danger everywhere around you. So I thought it's, you know, like way more, it's a huge dramatization that we have in the games that we haven't read that online. But since uh, what you're talking, it's not that far. Of course, it's still a dramatization because it's a video game after all. But it, it was right. like a feeling of the Wild West that actually uh, was a thing back then, right? Yeah, no, I think, I think they, look, I, I love the game. I know a lot of people, obviously the people I think that are listening to all this and stuff, obviously they're fans of the game too. But uh, I'm sure you get people on your channel that, that constantly comment about how the game is dead and how they can't stand it. Uh, you know, and, and it's a beautiful game. I think they did an awesome job on the game. I think it's got an immense level of potential. I still love the game regardless. And they did a lot of stuff right. And I think it's good to acknowledge the stuff that they did do right. And, you know, I tend to point out the inaccuracy, but not sort of in a way to, to blast Rockstar, but more so to be like, look, here's how, you know, you could adjust it. And, uh, but here are the things that got right. And so, like, the game does a good job, I think, of creating that, the proper atmosphere for the period. Like, you can commit a crime in one area and you can leave. And for the most part, you don't have a problem unless you go back to that area, right? depending on the, the level of the crime. And so like in real life, like you could say steal a horse in one state and you could flee to a different state. And again, for the most part, that wouldn't be much of a problem. But if a crime reaches a certain level, then it becomes more of a problem. And, and that game, that's kind of reflected in the game where you have, is it, is it Marsh? I'm trying to think, is it deputy marshals who come after you? I tend to be a pretty peaceful character in the game. So I don't, I don't usually get hunted down, but the game has some sort of system where they'll, yeah, if, the, you, if you commit a lot of crimes, they'll come after you, regardless of where you are. I believe they call just lawmans, but I'm, I'm my yeah, dish. and that's a pretty good reflection on everything from like U.S. marshals, deputy marshals to uh, to the Pinkerton agency. Um, you know, they tracked uh, uh, what's his name, uh, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Uh, they tracked them ten thousand miles south to Argentina, right? Like just like in the movie, right? Because the movie actually. Yeah. 
shows. Yeah, I mean, like these guys, if you committed a big enough crime and you did those things enough times, they would never let up. They will never let you live it down. They will But never just turn it in. How about Jesse James? He was like living peacefully, relatively after committing so many yeah, so, crimes. So the problem with it, the problem with James is that he pissed off too many important people, and uh, he also killed, you know, people. We, we tend to think of Jesse James as like the uh, the Robin Hood of the West, but there's no evidence whatsoever that he ever gave his money to, to that he ever shared his money with like his community or anything. Like he didn't do any of that. But there was one newspaper reporter who who created this myth of him. And in reality, like James was a very violent guy. James did kill people. I mean, people died in his robberies. Um, the fact that the fact that he derailed a train in Iowa just to rob it. And, you know, he ended up killing, I think, the engineer, the conductor in the process of it. Uh, a lot of people, a lot of people saw that for what it was, that he isn't this chivalrous sort of, how do I put it? Isn't, isn't this chivalrous mythological Robin Hood character? Like, like the, the, the guy did some bad stuff, but at the same time, he also like, usually he wouldn't rob men who had calloused hands. Right. So in that sense, you know, he thought, all right, these guys aren't wealthy. These guys work with their hands for a living. So I won't rob them. So there's certain aspects of them that are, you know, it's pretty cool. But then there's other aspects of them that you're like, yeah, but still like, he, you know, you can't kill people and steal money and get away with it. Like if you do it enough times, you're going to piss people off. And, and, you know, he was robbing from from some big companies uh, by robbing those trains. And they had the resources uh, to hire uh Pinkertons and 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 hire law enforcement agents that but that they couldn't get, got, got him. They, it was his uh, like friend who killed him, as as far as I remember. Yeah, Correctly. Robert Ford shot him yeah, in the back. Yeah, but him but back he lived head. peacefully during that time and like with yeah, family, and, and a, which is weird. that's a common thing among a lot of these guys of the West, you know. And 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 maybe you could say that maybe you could say that. Um, uh, Jesse James wasn't really a Western character because, you know, a lot of his crimes, it's tough because like a lot of his crimes are in like Missouri and Iowa and Minnesota and things like that. But, you know, I, I'll throw him into the group because a lot of those guys who have successful careers as outlaws want eventually to get out of the game. Like they feel that pressure. They can feel the law breathing down their neck. And so they try to settle down. And Jesse James tried to do it. His brother tried to do it. Uh, you think of like Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid like we were talking about. Right. Their their goal was they wanted to open up a, you know, just about 15,000 acre ranch in uh, in Argentina and they tried to lay low. But again, like they kept going back to it, like they ended up committing robberies down there. And it just I don't know. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if they can ever fully get out of it, but even if they do sort of turn that turn that leaf over and say that now they're out of that life of crime. The problem, though, is that the law will never let that go. On, on people with that big of a profile, right? It's too embarrassing to the companies he robbed from. It's too embarrassing to law enforcement to leave it be. And even like Robert Ford, who shot Jesse James, like Robert Ford, uh, he was working with law enforcement. So like he was the inside man. So law enforcement was all over that case. And what about bounties for like that that much of a famous person? It was like insanely huge. I I think it was like thousands of dollars, right? And they were made yeah. by these companies mostly, not the government or community. Railroads. Yeah. So, well, even in the case of like Jesse James, uh, so Robert Ford, I think he only got 
because the bounty I think was five thousand uh, from the state, and I think he got something like a hundred dollars of that money. Why? And uh, he ended up he ended up getting murdered too, right? I mean, you can t- you can see the pattern here, right? Everybody dies in the end. That's how the, that's how the movie ends. Is that everybody eventually dies? It's uh, so like Robert Ford, yeah. Like people, you know, were pretty frustrated with what had happened, and they ended up killing him later. But I'm uh, sorry, why why did didn't he receive all the all this five thousand and yeah? Five... So in Missouri, yeah. So in Missouri, there was so much public support um, for Jesse James uh, because you got to remember, like, there's a lot of history here. But but in a very brief nutshell, okay, just briefly, uh, Missouri was was a a a, a Confederate state in the Civil War. Okay, and they didn't like the Union or anything that that sort of was emblematic of it. And so after the Civil War, Jesse James effectively just continued fighting it guerrilla style. And he targeted northern railroads, businesses, etc., that he thought were part of that sort of the embodiment of the North. And so he kind of just con- his, like his grudge was was based off of of a continuation of that war. And a lot of people in his state felt similarly And so when the government was cracking down on him, in a lot of ways, when he was thwarting getting captured, it was as if the, the citizens of that state kind of were rooting for, for, for Jesse to kind of stick it to the government. And so when, when he ends up getting killed, a lot of people were outraged that he was actually killed. They were trying to push through uh, amnesty for him. They're trying to get him pardoned at the time. And he nearly was pardoned, actually. He almost was. Um, But because he was killed, a lot of people were outraged at it. Long story short, um, the uh, the guy that killed him uh, ended up having to leave the state for fear for his own life. And so uh, the state basically never paid him the full amount because he, he he decided that living was more important than sticking around and getting the money. You know, maybe that's why Jesse James was living peacefully in that area uh, because of all this, uh, you know, public... Yeah, um, definitely. And that's why, like, he had a lot of friends there. Uh, they they kind of protected him, and and yeah. So that's why he was able to live as long as he did, where he did. One question that I wanted to ask you is uh, accuracy of guns. Not not only just guns. I know you have a video uh, he, uh, on your channel about comparing prices for actual guns of the era to. You know the prices in the game, but was it so easy to to buy a gun in all the states? Uh, it was super easy. Just open Catholic or go to any shop and buy a gun, just like it's shown in the game. At the times, there was always no restrictions for selling and buying guns uh, during that time. Yeah, it's a good question. My understanding, based off of what I read, is is that it was it was pretty open. It was pretty available that you could go to a gun shop and you could purchase a gun. Yeah, so there was no problem. Okay, but uh, here is the question that, like, I, I'm pretty sure most of the viewers are interested in. M1899. How do you think? How accurate w- w- will it be if they will just add it to the game, like in the next patch? I'm not saying they will do, but we all know it's in the game already in the game files. So, and some people think that they not edit adding it to the game just because it's like historically inaccurate but uh, what do you think about this particular weapon yeah i don't see any problem with the man in the game you're talking about the model 1899 yep. the fn browning pistol yeah so you know that 
it, it, it's a neat gun. Uh, in the gun that, like in the game, it's the M1899. Is I think that's all they call it, just M1899. But uh, it's really a mashup of of the M1899 in real life, and then the F and Browning uh, M1900, which is like the improved version from a year or so later. Um, but they do a good job of like the representation of it. It's a cool gun, like the the ejectors built into the frame, which is pretty unique. Um, and you know they they're they're right on the, the capacity of the gun. Like it's it's a good it's a good mix of, of like those two guns, right? Which is it's the same gun, but like uh, the original 1899 and then the upgraded model. Um, I don't see any problem with them having it in the game. Like in 1898, when Red Dead Online takes place, um, it, it it's probably a little bit early. Like I don't know if there was even one of these in the Wild West at the time. Maybe a prototype. Uh, prototypes they can yeah but there there would have been a prototype existing actually more than that in 1899 they would have had a uh, in 1898 sorry they would have had a prototype by 1899 they would have had working models but primarily in europe right because these are manufactured um by uh uh fn herstel i think uh in belgium and so you know these were these were guns that originally made for uh the belgian army and uh they, they they wouldn't have necessarily immediately like transferred over to the west and been super popular But but here's the thing about it is, I think you should have as many guns as you can get in the game, even if they they're right on that line, right? So like, 1899, like yeah, that's close enough. Add it into the game because I'm a huge proponent of even adding in obsolete weapons from far earlier. Like, like I, I really like what want like, a, like example like I really want like a like a, a Hawken 50 cal or 30 cal, which is what the Mountain Men used. Right. Like I, I totally and look, you guys know, you know, as a, as a historian, as a history professor, like I, I know that people weren't <laughs> hunting with with the old mountain men guns in 1898, but they're such cool guns. And the way that I play is I like I spend most of my time hunting up in the woods in the game and sort of living out those mountain man fantasies up there. And I would love to have a black powder gun, like in particular, something modeled after the Hawken. Uh, it's just the way that I play. But that gun is totally obsolete at the time period. Like if if you were in a gunfight, right, like you'd have to hit them with that bullet. Otherwise, you're going to be reloading for the foreseeable future. And even when you fire, there's going to be a huge cloud of smoke. You're going to have to run around it to see if you hit anything. Uh, it's not an efficient gun. It's it's it would never hold up in like a PvP fight. But I don't care. Like I I prefer having the option of being like, look, you're going to get you're going to get annihilated if you ever try to kill anybody with this gun and get into a gunfight but the fact that if they just put it in the game and say yeah but have at it there's no harm in in using an old antique gun i'd personally love to see that right i'd personally love to see those guns the older guns obsolete guns introduced and let people use them if they want to and maybe one way to like to to provide more impetus for that is you know if you maybe if you if you kill if you're hunting and you kill a particular animal with with say an old black powder rifle you know maybe you get more xp or something You know, I I don't know exactly how to do it, but I just think more options are better than less. And when it comes to, like you said, like going back to the beginning to the 1899, like why not put it in the game? Like it's so close to the time period. Um, I just think it would be neat to give us options. I mean, they so have the Browning semi-automatic sh shotguns that was never, that was right, not with, existed right. at the time. Exactly. Yeah, that one, that one didn't exist and that one's in the game. Um, Yeah, I think I think throw some of those old quirky guns in. Uh, you know, they've got the the volcanic pistol, which 
you know, nobody was running around with one of those in the old West. Uh, in like, by, by the time the game takes place, nobody, but, uh, it's cool that it's in there. Like, why not, you know, let the players decide if, uh, they want to use a gun or if they just want to leave it on the shelf. But, uh, I don't see any harm in it. I'd like to see more guns. I'd like to see even like more knives. Um, you know, there's a lot of stuff I'd like to see in the game. Okay, but, but what yeah. if, if uh, let's say, theoretically, someday the Red Dead Online will jump back in, uh, up, I mean, up to, I don't know, 1911 time period where Red Dead Redemption first part takes place. For example, they, I don't know, they will release remake of Red Dead Redemption 1 and will decide to move the time frame. So what opportunities does it give to us? Which new weapons, like super interesting, can we see if the time will be changed like 10 years ahead or like 11 years? Yeah, well, you're going to start, you're going to start to get some, uh, well, some early versions of, of even what you call like machine guns. I mean, you're already starting to get them at this time, right? Like the Maxim gun, the Gatlin gun, uh, you know, those were available even during the time of the game. God forbid, I mean, don't get me wrong. I hope they don't put them in the game. I hope they don't put them onto a bicycle or anything like that. But uh, yeah, you get a lot more high-powered guns and uh, you get more accurate rifles. You get, as I said, you, you, you get high-powered high powered rifles and you'd also start to get um, uh, machine guns as well. I just think it'd be, I, it, this is one of those issues, right? Is is like how far can you go before it stops feeling like an old West game, though? Yeah. And 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 that, I guess that's my, I I'm the type of person that I would err on the side of of keeping it feeling more like the old West. But I get that you know some people some people want a Tommy gun in the game. But it's too <laughs> you know, like, It's still too early for Tommy gun, I believe. It like, yeah. Still like yeah. ten years or even more. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they might do this. Okay, but not from the weapon perspective. What, like, uh, like some vehicles, like first uh, like cars. Yeah. Can it be possible in, like, 10 years from from when Red Dead Online yeah, totally. takes place? And they, yeah, no, that will totally. be, like, fast cars. Like, I don't know, Ford Model 1, when was started to manufacture? Yeah, they, I mean, you, you'd be getting, you'd be right at the beginning of getting, like, the boring Ford models, right? But uh, prior to that, though, a lot of the early cars were racing cars, right? Like in Europe, like the first automobiles, I think, uh, was it Daimler who created the first automobile? Like those automobiles were were used for primarily for like, they were like racing, they were like racing vehicles for well-to-do elite members of society. But that's the other thing about a cat is, you know, I, I'm on that, I'm on the other side of that where, I think as soon as I saw a car in the game, it would just kind of kill it for me. <laughs> I, I just saw like in the comments uh, the same opinion. Yeah. What, what's that? I'm, I'm trying to go back and look. Uh, sorry about like uh, people say that no, not cars, not GTA Online. Please no. Yeah. Yeah. I For me, it would just ruin it. Um, it would just, it would not be the West if you had cars to me. But uh it's not my game. That's the thing. I think if the community like overwhelmingly wanted it, well, then it's going to happen. But I'm not I quite sure was a community. But by the way, I'm not quite sure was a community wants cars in this game, and it was no. As far as I can tell, there was not that many cars in Red Dead Redemption One, so they might not do this. But who knows? Who knows what will they decide? 
But yeah, it will definitely yeah. ruin this feeling of the Wild West. Uh, yeah, I think that I, th I think the best thing Rockstar could do or could have done is I think they should have placed the game farther back in history. I think it would have been a lot better to place it in the 1870s. Um, that's kind of the that's kind of the pinnacle, in my opinion. That's the pinnacle of you still got you know, the, the, the Indian wars are in full effect. So you still got natives who are not on the reservation who, you know, are living that, that traditional way of life. You've got, uh, the Buffalo hunt, you know, full bore, uh, you've got mining going on everywhere. Boom towns, the railroad was, you know, just completed. It's just, it's a crazy, exciting time, uh, violent time, but, but a very exciting time was just so much happening in the West that uh, I think that's the Wild West that we think of. 1898, most things had been significantly settled down, right? Much of the wildness was taken out of the West but, by that Yeah, point. but from political point of view, it's too risky for Rockstar to make game in this type of setting, don't you think? Yeah, so? I think, yeah, yeah. I mean, we you and I talked about it briefly but uh, before the call, but yeah, I, I, I definitely think Rockstar and a lot of companies I think they're fearful of blowback from certain segments of society for, uh, I guess, uh, violating certain, uh, I don't know what you want to call it. I'm kind of tap dancing around it. I'll, I'll say it more bluntly. Uh, I think they're afraid that, that you're going to have some uh, people who are very outraged about a lot of things jump on them and uh, try to uh, lambast them for, for, putting certain people or certain things in the game. Um, personally, I'd love to see, you know, I'd love to see it as it was. Just just put history out there raw and uh, let people live in that time and experience it. Um, but unfortunately, I think Rockstar is is very concerned about the uh, the political correct, politically correct blowback that would occur from even adding in things like, like the, the my suggestions in the Native American video, right? Like, I mean, I, yeah. I think you've watched that video. Yeah. Both you and I agree, like, sure, it'd be cool to have that stuff in the game, but I, I don't think they'll ever put it in. You know, I kind of lay out how they could do it in, in I think, a, a way that would minimize that blowback. But I think they're so afraid of, of people just sort of, you know, I, I think it's a minority of people, to be honest, screaming about... Um, certain aspects of that, that that they'll probably never do it and you know what's funny it's like when you were talking about like what do you want to see in red that online in future possible updates and many people would say like we want some sort of a native american dlc at least something I, i'm not saying it should be you know uh, a story about war between cowboys and native americans no uh, they say like at least some sort of a dlc with natural clo natural native americans clothing with all these pieces of culture uh, and many people want this to happen but it's it's never happened in my opinion i just don't see it, it like they will not bother doing this because I it's too risky agree with you too risky <laughs> Yeah, I think it's too. I don't. Yeah, that's the funny thing is I don't think it's too risky. I think, I think they just won't do it because they don't want to deal with the headache. Yeah. That will that will follow it, and I can only speak from like my own comments on my own channel. But seemingly to me, most of the people that are that are that get frustrated with it, um, with like my native video, seemingly those they aren't even native. 
like most of the natives who who watch that video uh, have given me just awesome feedback, great endorsement. They love it. You know, it kind of helps in a lot of ways for them to kind of accurately live things out and be like, oh, well, this is great. I didn't even know, like, now I know how I can dress more accurately, like my own tribe, you know. But it's funny is you'll have people who aren't even native who are outraged by the fact that other people are even thinking of dressing like native. So uh, I'm I sorry, know, I don't understand this. What exactly make uh, an <laughs> offense to, uh, I, I really don't get it. Like, no, no, it's okay. Maybe you're it's talking about American. some simple stuff, like how people used to dress up back, back then, and nothing, nothing too risky think, or controversial. Then. No, no, it's 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 more of a a, a cultural thing where where um, there's people. It's more of a cultural thing where there's groups of people that I think are highly sensitive to making sure that nobody gets offended, and I think mm -hmm. that's just the easiest way to put it. And Even if something isn't directly offensive, it's the fear that it might be offensive, which will uh, keep them from from wanting to even open up that door. And so I think it would be great to add that stuff in. I think a lot of people would benefit. I think you can do it in a way that's really respectful. Um, but uh, like I said, I think that you're going to have a very loud minority of people who, who uh, just don't want to even open up that door and i think rockstar just doesn't want the headache of it so they'll avoid it but as far as like specifics um i don't know you're gonna have to ask them um it's just the idea of even people having a problem with with somebody dressing as a native character um, yeah so that's why they will not do it like ever because uh they can even potentially face like slow suits or something like this and they just don't want it to happen so, like like a, yeah i don't think it's so much even I don't think it's so much even lawsuits. I think it's just more bad press. Yeah, maybe, uh, maybe right. Yeah. Okay, That's so right. since we're talking about like this, my not my some small groups of different nationalities, I wanted to wonder sure. whether uh, I I've asked uh, Elijah to 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 make some research about the Russian community back then because from the literature I know that. It was actually kind of popular place to go for people from Russian Empire. It's exactly America in old time from yeah. I don't know middle eight nineteenth century and till the you know till the revolution time and obviously yeah, at so, the revolution time. So Russians, yeah, Russians definitely were in the Wild West. So we'll just put it. We'll start with that. So, not a lot of there weren't a lot of Russians that came to the U.S. prior to like 1870. I think there was like 8,000 total Russians in the U.S. prior to 1870. But when you hit 1880s, uh, they just start flooding in. Uh, like so, like by 1881, you've got like over 10,000 a year coming in, and this is due to oh. uh, you know political, economic, religious. Uh, sort of reasons back in Russia. But what's neat then is, is by the time you get to the period of, of Red Dead, right, like mm -hmm. 1898 to 1900, uh, you, you've gone, and this, it's a crazy leap, you've gone from like 8,000 Russians in 1870 to about 600,000 Russians. 600,000? So I believe it's top five, uh, yeah. top five nationalities. It should be like none. Yeah, it's a, it's a huge group. And, and it keeps blowing up from there. Like in 1910, by 1910, you have like 1.6 million Russians coming in. So what gets confusing though is you have to separate which type of Russians are coming. So like Russian Jews, when they came, they settled in New York and other big cities on the East Coast. So like they weren't in the Wild West. But the, the, the Russians that came to the Wild West, these were all Russian Christians 
who are fleeing religious persecution. So these are like Protestants, Mennonites, Anabaptists, and they settled across the West in Kansas, the Dakotas, Montana, California, you name it. Um, there was even a, uh, I don't know if you, if you want me to get into it, I can't, but I can tell you a story of a, uh, of a, of a sort of famous Russian outlaw. Oh, interesting. Too. It's an interesting one. Okay, so there is a, it's a short story, but there's this cowboy in the 1870s, 1880s named Russian Bill. Uh, his real name was William Tatum, uh, Tatumbaum. I think it's Tatum, not Tannen, but it's like Tannen, Tatumbaum. So it's a tough one. Uh, but this guy's pretty cool because he rode with Curly Bill Brocious, Johnny Ringo, the Clantons, and the rest of the Cowboys gang in Arizona. So, like, if you're familiar with the movie Tombstone, uh, you know, one of my favorite Westerns, sure. uh, you know the gang I'm talking about. So, like, this guy rode with, with some of the most famous outlaws of the American West. But the reason you probably never heard of him is that he skipped town right before everything went down with the herbs. Uh, and so, you know, we never heard much. But he ended up uh, leaving town and going to New Mexico, and he... he he gets caught by a group of vigilantes in 1881, I think it was, uh, rustling cattle. And he begs for his life, but uh, they end up uh, hanging him. Uh, but but this guy, which is what's, what's really neat about him, was that he claimed to have come from Russian nobility. He claimed to have served in the Russian army as one of the Tsar's private uh, uh, hussars, uh, his private sort of cavalry guard unit. Uh, there's not a lot of proof of it. But, um, yeah, like this guy, as far as we can tell, this guy was was sort of a the son of a Russian Russian noblewoman uh, who rode with these very famous cowboys. And he was super educated. I think he spoke like four languages. Um, he uh, he was always dressed very fancy. And he was they in the historical record, uh, when you out like Curly Bill Brocious and Johnny Ringo, whenever they talk about him, uh, this uh, Russian bill. They always kind of talk about him as if he's like this weird anomaly that they don't take seriously, but they keep him around because he's, he's just a really quirky, interesting guy. And as far as we can tell, he never killed anybody. He never committed any bad crimes. But, you know, wrestling was, wrestling was you'd be killed for it. So, I mean, in that sense, nowadays, if you stole a cow, we'd be like, that's hilarious. But uh, back then, if you stole a cow... You know, you could be killed for it. So, unfortunately, the poor guy gets killed. Uh, so, it's a, a a, technically, it's an interesting story of a Russian noble, the one who was at the top of the society uh, back in Russian Empire, to become the person who's stealing cows in in America and being killed for <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a hilarious story. And what's cool about it to me is just that he associated with such famous people. I mean, like he, you know, it's crazy that he would have been in Tombstone when Wyatt Earp was there, Doc Holliday was there. I mean, like talk about being in the, sort of in the right time at the right place, you know, or at the right place at the right time in history where you're like, you're right in the middle of the, one of the greatest sort of settings of the American West with all these huge characters. And uh, to think that he left right before it all went down, uh, Otherwise, we would have known him. Like, he would have, you know, Russian Bill would have been, you know, as famous as any of these other guys that we know who, you know, the Clantons and so on that were, you know, key members of that gang. Yeah, it's a cool it's a cool story, actually. Really interesting. By the way, have you seen uh, this uh, mission with Yukon Nick? Uh, it's a legendary bounty. Yeah. No, I've never done it. Um, I... So, so usually when I play online, I end up, like I said, I end up doing 
just primarily a lot of hunting and wagon deliveries and things like that. But uh, I haven't done the uh, the Yukon Neck one, but I'd like to. I'm looking forward to it. I've been saving it. So in short, he is like a trapper from Alaska and he's Russian because for some period of time, Alaska was a Russian territory. And yeah, uh, so I believe there was not that many people who were lived there. I think that because of the, you know, before the golden, how's it, how you call it, gold, uh, ah. the gold, yeah, the gold rush, and the gold Colorado. rush, yeah, because we have a different name in Russian that doesn't translate. I mean, it was not that populated Alaska, uh, and then he moved to, to this middle country, and he, you know, this badass outlaw. And by the way, I think that actually being a trapper at the time was some sort of a profession that has high chances of being killed after all am i correct because it seems like not yeah not so true. so it depends on the time period but i mean in in general obviously being a trapper was dangerous just by the the chance of being killed due to the environment being killed by animals uh but if you go back to like the early trapper period the greatest threat was natives Uh, because, you know, you were encroaching on their territory and uh, they didn't take very kindly uh, to the wanton destruction of uh, of their resources. And so uh, a lot of times natives really hated trappers and they really hated uh, uh, surveyors. So like if they found you with like a compass and a chain, uh, you know, you, you were usually you're usually going to things bad things were going to happen to you. Um, and same thing with trappers. So it was really dangerous to be a trapper up until sort of the pacification of, of the native tribes at the end of the uh, of the Indian Wars. But even after that, you still had to deal with the elements, um, which, you know, those are those are brutal. All right. I mean, you know, the hypothermia is going to kill you probably more often than than maybe Indians ever would. But uh, the natives definitely uh, uh, made it very dangerous for a long period of time for trappers. By the way, why do you think we don't have any sort of a traps in, uh, in uh, Red Dead Online? Because it makes sense not to use traps, not to ruin the belt quality. I mean, shooting, even shooting in the head should yeah. decrease the so, uh, price like dramatically, in my opinion. I would, it's something that... Yeah, I've been a huge, I've been a huge proponent uh, of like a handful of things that I've wanted to add in. I, I think they should have added in the game a long time ago. And I most of my videos, I still bring them up, but One of my biggest, my top five things definitely is uh, trapping should be in there. Uh, it was, you know, that's how you procure those pelts. Like you, when you talk about sort of the settling of the West, you know, you got to talk about things like the beaver trade, right? And all the beaver trapping that took place. And to leave trapping out, it's, uh, it's just a very weird thing to leave out, particularly since you know, it's, you're, you're, you're probably not going to get nearly as much blowback from like social justice folk about trapping, right? Like trapping was just, it's just a thing like natives trapped, right. In different ways. Uh, when the white I mean, you, ki out, you kill an animals in this game with explosive ammo, if you want to trap or <laughs> right, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So like, you, I don't think it can be so much from like a, a, you know, an animal rights standpoint, uh, you know, like in that day and age too, like, Yeah, it, it, it was a different time. Let's put it that way. And uh, people still trap today. And I personally, I personally don't have any issue with trapping. I think it depends on sort of how you were raised and things like that. And uh, you know, so so some people obviously are strongly against it today. Some people don't have an issue. Some people are still doing it, obviously. 
But uh, I think they should add it in the game. I think they should definitely have traps. I've talked about a couple different ways that they could do it in my uh, historical accurate role ideas video. And so, you know, I'd love for them to implement it. And I think it can be implemented. And I feel like that's one of the ideas I have that, that aren't just sort of hypothetical, that they could do it if they wanted to. But I don't know if they will. It's can, it can be interesting mechanic from the game uh, design perspective, actually, to you know to set these traps and to I don't know somehow wait for the animals to come, especially legendary animals, since we have them. It might I I don't know they might pay increased price for the legendary animals that you're not gonna kill, but you're gonna catch uh, with a trap and it's it can be they can do a lot of interesting stuff about this oh def definitely definitely i mean like you don't shoot beaver you drown them with traps right like it's it's just funny that you know you in the game i have to blast their head off to kill them and then yeah. i go over there and apparently the pelt's fine which is just odd you know in real life like i said you that you set the traps up in a way that drown the beaver and then the, the pelt is perfect and i think it would be neat to even be part of that process in in skinning you know like we have that brief clip of skinning but in like actually processing the uh the fur itself sort of like the the aspect of like scraping it and, and doing all that i think it'd be neat to just go more in depth and, and you know use it as an avenue to really understand the fur trade uh which is you know it's just it's a huge part of the american west i just think it'd be neat yeah it's, it's it's interesting so another interesting mechanics that i wanted to ask you not like a mechanic but poss possible future content uh, what about prostitution in red Dead in not in red Dead online but in as like, wild like as west yeah <laughs> maybe there is a, but actually it's a role that many <laughs> people are asking role? for not the prostitute but the uh, you know PIMP, I don't know, the person who rules the uh, place where yeah, they work. Madam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, I understand. I why madam? Why madam? There were always women on this, uh, I don't know how to say it, on this yeah, job. Yeah, so a lot of times, yeah, a lot of times the, so it's a woman called a madam that would be in charge of, of, the, uh, of the brothel, right? The whorehouse, whatever you want to call it back then. Um, and so usually you have a woman who oftentimes was previously a prostitute and still for the most part selectively engaged in it even at that point once they became the madam but uh the madam was effectively you know she was i guess a pimp is how you put it right like she'd bring the girls in and uh she'd run the operation and and she'd be in charge of the the books she'd be in charge of making sure there was security um and uh yeah i think it would be you know it, it, it it's a cool idea in the sense that it's something that people would kind of be shy about looking into. Some people would be shy about it. You know, they'd, they'd be all sorts of claims about maybe the, the oppression of women or something like that. But for a lot of women in the West, they had very few opportunities and many turned to prostitution. And madams were basically, in a lot of ways, they were these almost motherly characters who, who would kind of, I mean, it sounds so bad saying it, but they would give them this job that that revolved around the exchange of services uh, and um, they would make money off of it. And the, the girls would make money off of it. They'd have a place to live. They would have protection because of it. Um, and uh, it, it, it was a it was a big operation. I mean, it was legal. You can make a lot of money being a prostitute. You can but make a it lot. was legal. 
but sorry. yeah, it was, yeah, that's the thing is though it was, it was legal, absolutely. Oh. So I think yeah, like I think it would be a cool aspect to have in the game. I'm not, I've never thought it through personally about how it could be implemented, but in my mind, I'm a big proponent of if you can add something that's historically accurate into the game and have it be something that also educates people on how those operations would work. Right. We're not endorsing it as saying like, oh, this is an amazing thing. But, you know, let people I don't know, let let, let people take a, uh, a stab at being a madam back then. You know, it's a it's it's a fantasy world. Uh, it's the Wild West. There were brothels. There were prostitutes. There were madams. You know, let I mean, you said it's not, a, it, it's, it. it's not a beautiful thing. But to be honest, there are not so many beautiful occupations that we're doing. In right. Red bounty hunting wasn't beautiful. Bounty hunter Moonshining wasn't trader, moonshiner, like what, what professions right. do we have? Naturalist is uh, fantasy trash, of course. There was not no such profession yeah. back then, as far as I can understand. It's, it's, it's not historically accurate by any means, I believe. But, uh, yeah, okay, I, collector. I think collector was is it historically accurate or no oh no <laughs> not not really so i say not really because okay yeah some people would collect things like they would find arrowheads but like not as a profession uh they they wouldn't go around collecting bottles for a living um but yeah people just like today like people collect things now people collected things then but uh no it's not a profession Um, I don't know why they put it in the game. To me, that and the naturalist seems like a weird one. The collector seems like a weird one. Um, I think even the moonshining is, is, is not at all a Western thing either. So I'm not sure who's coming up with these ideas <laughs> that they're putting in the game. Like, I would really like to be in the meeting. Uh, people always joke on my channel about, you know, Rockstar should hire me as a consultant. And, uh, I feel like if I was if, if that ever happened, I feel like I would sit in the meeting and I would just say, who came up with this idea? Which one of you thought this was a good idea? Like, did anybody ask for this? Did anybody ask that they wanted to go around tranquilizing animals? <laughs> right. Like, I think I think people want a lawman role. They want an outlaw role. They want a mining role. They want to drive cattle. You know, they like it's pretty clear, I think, in my opinion, maybe I'm mistaken, but I think it's pretty clear what a lot of the gamers want in the game. And, you know, Let's get let's get going. Let's get those things in the game already. Well, maybe there is a little monkey, and he uh, this monkey puts some random ideas out of the basket, and so it just says naturalist <laughs> role. I think it works like this because it makes perfect sense in my opinion. Uh, but why do you think that it's not uh, an accurate moonshiner role? Why it's not an accurate one? Yeah. So I, I don't have a, like. Here's the thing. Like I don't have much of an issue with the moonshiner role. It's just, it's not something that usually took place in the American West. But that's the other part is that the map is more than just the West. And I get that. Like, you know, we, we know like uh, San Denis is basically New Orleans. And, you know, like you can kind of divide up the map a little bit. You get some different areas. But it, it's just not something that's usually associated with the West. It's, it's more so like Appalachian history. It's stuff that happened more in the East, uh, in the Eastern United States. And... It, you know, putting it in a game that I think so heavily focuses on the American West, it just seems a little, I don't know, it, 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 it seems like it's a good idea on the surface, but it makes less sense than a lawman, outlaw, minor, 
you know, sort of rancher role to me. Oh, rancher. That they would add that first. That's personally uh, what I wish for to see. Uh, hopefully this year, but it's not gonna happen. Uh, farmer, rancher role, something like this. I would really love to see this game. And if you think about it, it will actually give like people reason to play for hours and hours. Just uh, mechanics of owning definitely, your own farm and stuff like this. Unlike, unlike collecting on... animal samples. <laughs> like no one do, right, no one no, is exactly. doing Which this I, like, like no. that one more than anything else like i that's the one where i would love to have been in that meeting uh just just to ask a million questions about why they thought that was a good idea but um, you will never be i'm sorry to say this <laughs> none never, of us no, i will not uh, none of us will no we won't but uh yeah I, I i don't have any particular problem with moonshining role it's just it, i i would expect some other roles to come in first like, I think it's cool to have the option of doing it. And, you know, I think it's pretty fun to carry it out. I, I personally prefer, like, the, the, the trader role a lot more. Like, I like that one, just the, the style of play that I do. But um, I, I think, like, a rancher role would, as you were saying at the end there, I think a rancher role would be really neat. And, you know, you could expand and, and put, put in, like, additional roles even stemming off of it. You know, you could have, like, a range detected role, uh, which would be really cool, I think, to add in the game. More like an enforcer, uh, you know, for these ranches uh, to either guard cattle drives or to just protect your stock. I think there's just a lot of stuff they can do with it. I don't know if they ever will, of course, but I just think it'd be cool. Yeah, there was a lot of possibilities because the gold rush just uh, was happening at that time, I believe, right? It was the beginning yeah, of the so, century so at Alaska. The gold Alaska. rush, yeah, is happening up in the Klondike which is technically it's like Western Canada, but uh, then there's later strikes in, in Alaska, uh, not far off from that. But I'd love to see, yeah, the mining thing. I think it's big. And the other part too is it's the West and the West is like, you got two crazy towns, right? You've got the, the cow towns and you've got the mining towns. And I don't really see a lot of either in the game, right? Like I, I, I want to see those rowdy cow towns. Like you kind of get a glimpse of it in something like Valentine. Like it kind of looks right, but like, where are the cows? Like where's, you know, like there should be a bunch of, of cows in those corrals down there uh, by that railhead. And uh, it, it should have more saloons. Like in a typical cow town, you know, these are small towns and they would have like 60 saloons in these towns. Like, I mean like the whole side of the street of the main street would be lined with just saloons. Um, so, you know, it's, these towns feel more like like agrarian sort of farming towns in the game for the most part to me. Like I'd like to see sort of more mining towns and, and a bit more wild cow towns uh, for better historical reflection. Yeah, it's interesting. So uh, there is a question for, for you from chat. Like uh, for how long are you playing Red Dead Online and how often do you play? It's a typical question. Yeah, so... Yeah, so I, I played right when it came out. So uh, right away I started playing it. I played the story mode until uh, online was released, and then I switched over, and I haven't gone back to story mode. And I like story mode. I mean, there's a lot there's a lot of cool stuff to it. it it's, it's seemingly more accurate in a lot of ways than Red Dead Online. But, um, you know, they aren't really updating that anymore. And I personally, I really like jumping on and playing with, like, one or two of my friends as well. So... Red Dead Online is just a better fit for me. And I think they got a lot better options for clothing and stuff now, too. And, and, and I like the trader roles and things like that. Um, so I, I, I play online. But um, as far as, like, how often I play, like, I used to play 
all the time. Nowadays, I play like maybe once a week. Uh, and a lot of that has to do with uh, also my job, right? So like as his professor, uh, I have very busy times and then I have times where I'm not very busy. And so like right now, classes are starting back up. So it's just, I have to do a whole lot of stuff in my real job. And then when I get sort of a time to kind of slow down, I can transition back to Red Dead. I can jump online, play a little bit with some of my friends and then uh, start mapping out that next video. Uh, but, you know, the videos take a long time. Yeah, uh, yeah. I just uh, was talking to you before the stream and saying that it, it's actually impressive how much of uh, effort you are putting in each of your videos. It, it's I'm clearly can tell that each video takes a lot of time to produce. The will it, the <laughs> Thank you, man. I, pre such quality. I appreciate that. Yeah, I, I have a weird approach to it in that I put out <laughs> I put out content uh, intermittently like it's it's i don't have like any particular day that i release it and often i'll go like two weeks or more without having anything on there and a lot of that has to do with you know like with the videos i make there's so much archival research that goes into it you know and i like it's the british archives it's the american uh it's it's, it's the you know our american archives out here um and just looking through old books and and looking through uh, newspaper archives and trying to figure out the answers to these things that I'm wondering, right, about the West, right? Little things like, you know, how violent was it, right? Like people will say, well, it's violent. Like, yeah, but like I need numbers. Like I need to be able to prove it. I need to be able to, you know, like I was trained in my job. Like you have to be able to support everything with that. Yeah, it's a like, scientific just, approach, some people Yeah, yeah, call you, it. you can't just say like, <laughs> I feel that this was how things were yeah, yeah. because you're going to get annihilated by talking about how you feel about something. Like you have to say, the evidence shows blank and actually so, it's the reason why i started channel because i was watching these videos where people just said okay this weapon is just the best and i thought why what your <laughs> arguments are how how can you prove sure. this point of view it makes no sense and actually there is an a question for you from Kirillos Regi. Why did you start YouTube? What what was the reason, main reason for you to start your YouTube channel? Yeah. Uh, so right before I answer that, let me just say, I also though appreciate how you do it, Kat, with, oh, I think you're very different from a lot of the other Red Dead YouTubers in that you'll post things that are basically like scientific studies where you compare things that, you know, how much money can you make doing this in an hour? How much gold can you make? And like you're doing, you're doing actual experiments and tests to give hard evidence, like you said. So it's not just which gun is the quote unquote best. It's what are the differences in each gun and how can your play style maybe be better utilized for this gun or that gun or how can you better spend your time? And so I, I love that you actually use data. So let me just say that. Oh, um, thanks. Yeah. And so, okay. So going back, uh, so how did I... So why the question why was why did I start making it? Yeah, why why you started making videos and YouTube channel in Yeah, general? so so I've been playing Red Dead and I play a lot of historical games. I play, you know, on my computer, um, and uh, I play, you know, just other ones on my system. But uh, I've always look I've I've loved Red Dead since it came out and I talk a lot when I would play with my friends, I talk a lot about, you know, this isn't accurate or or this isn't accurate and they should change this and and a lot of my friends were like, well, you know, you, you should, you know, we're sick of hearing it. You should, you should just start telling other people. About it. I'm like, yeah, no, no, I need to. And I had talked about wanting to start a YouTube channel for, for some time. And I finally, uh, I mentioned this in, in one of my videos, but I, I, I write down my goals every year. 
at, on New Year's. So I sit down and I write out all my goals. So I write them out for like, like monthly goals, three month goals, six month, one year, three years, five years. I, I laid it all out. And last year, I, for the first time I was like, all right, I'm going to start a YouTube channel and I want to get a thousand subscribers by the end of the year. And so I broke that down. Like, so how many do I have to get in this period, in this period, in this period to, to kind of get there? And uh, when the year started, I hadn't, I didn't do anything for like three months. I didn't start my YouTube channel at all. But then when, when COVID hit, all of my classes went online and all of a sudden I had an immense amount of time on my hands. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go ahead and start this channel now because I have some time. I know people are cooped up at home. So it seems like a great time, you know, sort of a perfect storm to, to begin it. And so I, I think I put my first video out in like March or April. Uh, so I, I had a late start last year. Um, and, and it just, you know, it, it started slowly picking up, um, but uh, it, it, it really started gaining some traction recently. But uh, that's why I did it. It's just that I, 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 love, I, I love the game, but there's also just a bunch of stuff I'm interested in and a bunch of stuff I do. And I thought people probably, you know, maybe they're going to be interested in it too. I'll throw it out there and see if it resonates. And uh, like I said, that, that perfect storm came in where I had an opportunity, so I jumped on it and... Uh, you know, vastly exceeded my, my goals, uh, from last year on it. So it's pretty fun doing it now. And so, you know, I mix in red dead videos with a lot of the, uh, outdoor stuff I do too. Um, and for me, it's, you know, red dead in, in a weird way, it, it kind of scratches a lot of that, that outdoor itch as well. Like I have access to a lot of nature and I do spend a lot of time in it, but, um, I also love just going out in the forest in the game and hunting on my own. I think it's a pretty therapeutic thing in a lot of ways. So the games just resonates with me and, and talking about history is my job anyway. So I just figured why not talk about it in a way that's connected to the game and my other interests. And uh, like I said, see if, if other people enjoy it. So that's how I did it. Uh, well, speaking about numbers, you're doing like really good. The amount of subscribers in one year is, is pretty oh, amazing. Uh, by the way, there is a question that I've seen few times now in the chat like historically accurate outlaw outfit like an idea for one of your future videos is there a, such a thing i'm now thinking like is there a, uh, such a thing like outlaw outfit uh or no? yeah so so it's funny uh there's a there's a guy who's who's been a huge supporter of mine for a long time uh mr cleams uh he runs a posse that i'm in called the innocence he's, he's a great guy and him and i when we play together, we, we kind of laugh about this a lot. And so if you're listening to Cleans, I love you, buddy. Uh, so we laugh about it a lot because when, uh, when we talk about all these requests of people saying, oh, you know, historical outlaw, like give me the outfit that like, it's, it's comical in the sense that like there was no outfit, yeah. right? Like it wasn't like you were an outlaw, like here's your outfit. All right. You can pick that up at the local general store right now that, now that you're a wanted man. Uh, so yeah, there is no outfit like his outlaws were, you know, cowboys. They were vagabonds. They were, you know, they, they, they were local businessmen. I mean, like they came in every shape, size, color, outfit, you name it. But that said, uh, I have a way to do it. And so I will be making an outlaw video, uh, historically how to create historically ac uh, accurate outlaw character video. And my approach is similar to what the next one, because the next one's going to be on Lawman, and Lawman didn't really have a solid outfit either, but I'm taking the same approach where I'm looking at sort of some of the key 
people from that time period uh, who were, in this case, like, who, who were the most famous, like, deputy marshals? Who were the most famous, you know, deputy sheriff? So on and so forth. And looking at individual outfits and sort of saying, like, look, like, you know, this guy was one of the best U.S. deputy marshals. We've got a lot of pictures of him. This is what he wore. And it doesn't mean that all U.S. marshals wore this, but he did. Right. And so I'm going to take the same approach with the outlaws in that I'm going to go through and, you know, I'll give a good background of outlaws. And, and, and as I always kind of do in the beginning of these videos, a big historical background of these things. But then I'm going to look at individual outlaws and uh, sort of say, like, you know, if you want to get this look like this is how you can do it. Or this guy is very different and this is how you can do it. But like all these people rotated clothes. And so it's more about like what role like like what period of the outlaw do you want to be right like you got somebody like butch cassidy who in one photo is wearing a three-piece suit right and in another photo he's just got like an old rough t-shirt on and that's the thing is like well you know what did he wear well he wore all of it but it depends like do you want to play sort of the successful butch cassidy who's sort of gotten away with it and now he's going down to south america to live out his life you know sort of in, in, in sort of a comfortable way or do you want to play Butch Cassidy the outlaw you know when he was you know at at sort of what was he wearing during these train robberies things like that and so I'm going to try to break it up in that way and it sounds maybe a bit complicated but I'm going to give people a lot of different options for look these are some very famous outlaws and here's what they wore and all these looks are accurate it just kind of depends on what you want to go for but maybe it will be it's another idea that i'm just taking from chat uh easier to create a historically accurate lawman outfit because i believe there was not so much variety between different lawmans at least in 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 certain regions is, so like even with lawmen there was no outfit so like the standard lawman outfit depending on what your position was if you were actually in the field or not was was usually just a wool suit I mean, it was a pretty boring outfit, oh. but you can look at individual lawmen and individual lawmen usually had unique ways of dressing, right? It, particularly like the most popular ones, right? Like Wyatt Earp was pretty boring in the way that he dressed, but somebody like uh, Wild Bill Hickok, when he was a lawman, had a lot of flair and he had a lot of style. And so to me, I'm going to approach it from that standpoint of, you know, like here's a great example of, of a famous deputy U.S. Marshal and here's what he wore. And here's how you can get that look. But uh, just know that all U.S. Marshals did not wear this outfit, right? Standard outfit would just be a wool suit. But, you know, I, I think people don't really want to just wear a wool suit. Like, they want to be accurate, but they want to have a bit more style. So that's what I'm going to try to give them. Okay, so a few questions before we will end up uh, the stream. Like, a few questions from chat. Like, your favorite Western movie? Uh, Tombstone. Tombstone. Uh, right. Not that it's accurate, right? It's like, I love the movie Braveheart, but it's not historically accurate at all, right? But uh, it, Tombstone gets a lot of things right. They get some things wrong. But just for like a movie that I would sit down, a Western that I just sit down and watch for fun, I'd say Tombstone or uh, Lonesome Dove. Okay, so yeah. my favorite is a Maverick. And uh, my, I, I'm yeah, interested. Yeah, a fun one. Was, was it at least, at, at least a little bit accurate? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a silly Western, uh, yeah. but they put historical characters. Like, if you remember, there's a scene where Mel Gibson's playing cards, and uh, I think it's he's playing cards with John Wesley Harden. 
and he realizes it's John Wesley Harden and he's cheating John Wesley Harden. And so he has to kind of maneuver out of the situation. So I, I like, that's a really fun movie. It's a hilarious movie, by the way, if you if folks haven't yeah. seen it, you should check it out. It's a, it, it's more of a comedy, but, uh, it's clever. It's a but clever it still comedy. has this uh, Wild West spirit, in my opinion. I don't yeah, know. yeah, totally, totally. And they do it in a fun way. Like, it's not overly serious or dramatic. It's just enjoyable. I, I, I dig that movie. I'm glad you like it, too. Uh, about poker, by the way, since we've talked about Superfast, you know there is a poker yeah. in Red Dead Online, but it's not historically accurate by any means, because uh, you're playing... Texas no limit hold him and there was not no such thing back then no one was playing games like this they were playing like uh, draw poker I believe all the time and it, it was just no such uh, no such activities to play no limit hold him but they still added it uh, but what about big tournaments they still can make it at least in no limit hold them so big tournaments was kind, they, kind was of like in thing? the style of a uh... Of, of, of Maverick. We were just talking about. Yeah, right. yeah. Like, just like Maverick. Was uh, it really happened back then? So it's a, that's that's a really good question. Uh, and this is this is one of those times where I have to defer and say I don't have an answer for that, but Ooh. I can look that up and I can get back to you. Um, actually, I, I, I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but that's a phrase that every professional or expert would like to say uh, sometimes. <laughs> yeah, well, you have to say it, right? You yeah. Can't. Like, it, it's funny, the more you learn, the more you learn what you don't know, and you realize you don't know all that much. And so, you know, I, my job is to accumulate a vast amount of historical information in my brain, but, and, and convey it. But, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of stuff I, there's a lot of stuff I just don't know. And uh, that is an interesting thing. I'll look into it. I can get back to you. Uh, I, I do want to mention, though, that, that most people didn't play poker, they played Pharaoh back then. Um, instead of poker and so like when you think of like doc holiday and, and wide herb and things like that uh, they all primarily played pharaoh that was pharaoh was the most popular card game in the wild west uh by a long shot poker was was a distant second oh it's just like wild bill was killed during the poker game and some... yeah so wild bill was killed playing poker but poker was was it, it was this it, it was the second most popular game like Far away, Pharaoh, which is F-A-R-O. Uh, it, it's it's a game where you bet on the cards that are being turned up, and so you bet on on whether like the first card is going to be higher than the second card, and then you can bet on whether it lands on that particular card. So it's in a way, it's 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 almost it reminds me of roulette in a way. Uh, but I played Pharaoh for years. I played at my college. Uh, with with our history club, uh, they love playing Pharaoh, so we've been playing it for years. Oh, you still play a, it? Yeah. So the reason you don't see it in casinos is because Pharaoh has the it has the worst house odds of of any game. Like it's like razor thin margin for the house. Otherwise, it's 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 the most fair game you can play. Like you, it's literally like it's like you've got like a forty five percent chance of winning on each hand. Like it's very you've got very good odds. Uh, and that's why casinos don't play it anymore is because the house, the, you know, it's just not worth it. Uh, you can't be more, like, you need to be more guaranteed that you're going to pull money in. I would so, disagree yeah, so, with you on that because 45% is just like printing money for casino. If, if a person has 45 instead of 50, it's like, it's just pure cash. They probably, they don't play it maybe because it's, I, I I'm not an expert. Uh, I don't know this game, but maybe 
for some other reason maybe because it's easy to count or something like this but 45 is like yeah, well you really can't, yeah so they, they they would count with an abacus during the game but but the historically they got rid of it because the margins were, were too low for the house is what they said yeah maybe maybe but so poker tournament is not something uh, you know but it would be interesting maybe they can add it as an event it would be kind of fun because now poker in the game is just not cool uh, unfortunately just like many other mechanics uh in this game and uh, the last question is like perfect question bbq frog asks historical accuracy of cats whether cats in this game are historically <laughs> accurate so uh historical accuracy of cats it's a uh, it's a brilliant idea I, I i can tell you this in in, in parting uh when wild bill hickok was the uh the town marshal of abilene he got paid uh, for every stray dog and cat he killed uh, as sheriff. He got paid for that. So Why? There you go. Why? Because, uh, I mean, they, dogs, they I thought understand, that they would breed, but cats? Yeah, with the dogs, they thought they'd breed rabies, and with the cats, I'm not sure what their issue was. But uh, it's, uh, unfortunately, that was that was one of their jobs, too, is, like, you you were kind of the, count, the, the town dog catcher, and you, you'd actually get paid for, for blasting these animals, which is... You know, kind of sad in some ways. Uh, I got a dog and I couldn't imagine it. But uh, yeah, that's one of the jobs. So uh, I guess historical accuracy of cats, it was dangerous to be a cat in the West. <laughs> Just like any other type of person. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Like. Anyway, thanks for all the viewers. We had like we had like 425 viewers at peak. So thanks to all who joined. And of awesome. course, the link to the... Uh, Elijah's channel is in the description. I really suggest you to check it. Lots of interesting stuff. And thank you guys for joining, um, for watching stream, for typing your questions and listening to our answers. I hope you enjoyed this video. Link, uh, I mean, it will be published on the YouTube channel. So if you miss some part, don't worry. It will be published as soon as it will get you know, ready by the YouTube. And anyway, thank you. Uh, see ya. See ya. End of translation. Translation is end of stream. That's the correct.